0: Infirmary Media. Okay, so I got the condom on. Check. How's that song go again? You gotta lick it before we kick it. I could go that route, but shit, I already put the condom on. Damn it! Wait, August McLaughlin just said lube is always good.
1: Making sure that you're using lube pretty often, if not, if not most of the time.
0: Thanks to our friends at Spunk. I got this spunk lube right here. Let me just slather some of this on. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone, Man Crush here. Before you hastily slide it in, I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about one of the most important choices you can make as a man: lube. Original Spunk Lube resembles jizz. Come, you know, spunk. It's white and creamy and sex toy safe. And yes, guys, it wipes away with a sock or a paper towel for easy cleanup you need to kick things in overdrive spunk lube pure silicone is a way to go free from all ingredients except silicone that means it's waterproof and perfect for sex in the shower perfect for hand jobs jerking off anal sex vaginal sex and everything sexual you can think of even fucking your sink so check them out go over to www.spunklube.com and pick up some spunk
2: Start Poop Culture Yeah yeah Poop Culture Poop 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 Culture Yeah it's the Poop Culture poo Poop Culture
0: People engage, it's time for Jewel of the Decades. The Matrix of Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Scrap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel of the Decades. Poop culture, popping pins, dropping hand grenades. Fan, Halen locked in mortal combat with David Gray. Fan ballet and sick, I am made of GNR.
3: Come fight for what you love. Jewel of the Decades. Greetings, pals and gals, dudes and dudettes. Welcome to the show of raunchy, retro, irreverent improv. This is Poop Culture. This week, fellow Poopsters, we cranked it up to 1.3 because 1.21 gigawatts was clearly not enough. It's time to load up the Wayback Machine for everyone's favorite new game show of retro ridicule, Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, one half of the team 88 is Enough, and my teammate is Carlos from the Be Kind and Rewind podcast. Our combatants for this week are the team of Rick Crush and Bo Beecraft, also known as Free Menorah Jones. And as always with us to hold down court and law and order is Judge Cred himself, John Cross. Gentlemen, let's play some Dueling Decades.
0: That's right. It feels weird being on the side, but I said after the last episode, if the 90s lost, I was going to switch. And that was two months in a row where they got fucked up. So I am here to represent and we're doing August 1988 versus August 1997. I'm on the 90s team. Bo and I have been working tirelessly to put this thing together. I haven't slept in a week. No. We're putting the best possible roster to defeat the juggernaut of the 80s. We knew it was going to be a long road to the top, but we're here. Our team name, Freeman Ora, Jones, we're filled with piss and vinegar. We're ready to fuck shit up. <laughs> Let's do this. We came here do to it. chew bubble gum and kick ass, and we're all out of bubble gum. No, you're not allowed to use any fucking 80s quotes. I God just it. did <laughs> Damn it! We need a '90s quote. Shouldn't you guys have it? Have the
4: horror playing in the background? Shouldn't they be like dun dun dun
2: dun <laughs> dun?
0: Seriously, we're uh, we're coming back at you, and it's going to be August 1988 versus August 1997. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Carlos and John, thanks for being guests on here. But uh I, this one might be close, it's... or it might be a landslide. Thank you, know.
4: thank you, Rick. It is a entirely adequate experience. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's average. <laughs> I'm more or less here for redemption after the last few that I've been on. I kind of feel like just my my soul has been crushed thanks to 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 everybody else I've been going against. I I, I feel like I bring my best, and then I hear everybody else's answers. And I'm like, God damn it! Hey, preaching to the choir, brother. So this time I really feel like I'm bringing the heat this time. So, but if you guys oh, win, I, I, we're, we're gonna have to sample that bandana for some performance enhancers. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why I switched them. I only switched to win,
0: Ugh. and I've tried to put together a roster of all stars. I don't know if we're gonna have it, but we'll see. Yeah, I, 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 I
4: wouldn't worry, Carlos. The '80s always win. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: hope so.
1: I'm here. I, I'm here to win. Let's do this.
0: All right, John. Since uh, Mike Ranger's not here to do the ceremonial coin toss, <laughs> okay. You need to flip something to see who goes first. Here.
4: I am going to be flipping, and this is. I was actually sat there during the introduction going, shit, I don't have anything to flip. <laughs> um, I do, though. I have, I am a big fan of boiling soda. Uh, it comes in the glass bottle, tastes great, made with cane sugar. And I have, because they gave it to me for free, a boiling soda koozie. Ah,
2: uh, nice. So
4: we have got face or ass. Ass has nothing on it. <laughs> face has the boiling logo on it. I will be flipping that. Uh, so. Teams, pick face or ass.
0: Mm. Uh, Bo, I'll let you pick, since you're a loser from the last uh, episode. <laughs> since you're a loser. Ha- well, called him out. I'm trying to think of what the uh, the uh,
5: cop and a half approach would be here. So uh, <laughs> let's go with ass.
4: Okay. Ooh. All right. Ass it is. I'm going to uh, toss this up in the air and see where it lands.
0: Toss that ass.
1: Yeah, it's ass! <laughs> <Yes>.
4: <laughs> there you go, Bo.
0: Tremendous. Ass to ass. Bo and I talked about this before the show, just in case we did win the flip, uh, where we were gonna start, and we're gonna go with movies, right, Bo? We're gonna still stick with that.
5: We could go movies, or we could go music. Let's uh, let's go movies. Okay. You wanna you wanna kick off, or you want me you want me to do it?
0: Uh, I can barely hear you. Is that better? Yeah, there we go. All right, better. I don't know. It was, my headphones are being funky today.
1: It's like an NPR podcast now. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ira Glass.
4: Welcome to Poop Culture.
1: And welcome to
4: Whispering Liberals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love that show, man.
3: <laughs> Thank you,
0: everybody. Uh, go ahead. I'll, uh, I'll let you kick that, that sucker off. All
5: right. Uh, movies of August 1997. My pick, The Full Monty, which was released towards the end of the month, August 29th, 1997, tells the story of six unemployed men, four of them former steelworkers who decide to form a male striptease act in order to gather enough money to get somewhere else and for the main character to be able to see his son. So essentially they decide, hey, we're going to essentially be Chippendales, but we're going to show everything. We're going to let the junk dangle. We're going to give everybody a show. And evidently it worked. Major critical success, international commercial success, grossing over $250 million uh, from a budget of only $3.5 million. This was the highest grossing film in the UK until it was outsold by Titanic. BAFTA Award for Best Film, nominated for the Academy Awards Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Original Music Score. British Film Institute ranked the Full Monty the 25th Best British Film of the 20th Century. Film was later adapted into the 2000 musical under the same name and the 2013 play under the same name as well. And now we, unfortunately, have Magic Mike, which a lot of people don't know, but that actually <laughs> follows... It's actually a sequel, and it follows the uh, stripping careers of the sons of the full Monty oh. guys.
0: I never realized that. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Like, oh my not, God, not no way. I'm
5: going to make that <laughs> canon, though.
0: Oh, wow. It did have a little testicle in it. Yeah,
5: really? there was a hint of nut in the film. There wasn't any full-on, full frontal peen, but uh, there was... No.
3: But
4: that was just the northern women.
3: <laughs> Much like how I like my coffee. Just a hint of nuttiness.
5: Not all the way full nut. Yeah, just a, a little dip of nut.
3: Right.
4: Yeah, ne- never bust a nut in some coffee. <laughs> Unless, of course, you don't have any half and half in the <laughs>
0: Oh, that's fucking disgusting. Coming from the judge. God damn it. All right, so Bo went with Full Monty, and I'm going to go with a movie that started at the beginning of the month, very beginning of the month, August 1st, 1997, on a $3 million budget, $5 million today. It took in $28 million worldwide, which is $44 million today. That's a pretty good uh, turnaround for a little small movie, and it manifested a lot of sequels. The star of this film, it was his second big acting role at the time, and things were looking good for this lad. Sadly, a couple weeks prior to the film's release, had a cancerous tumor in his leg, had to be amputated. And worse than that, he passed away due to cancer a mere six months later at the age of nine, just one month shy of his 10th birthday. It's pretty sad stuff. But if you haven't figured out who I'm talking about, this would be the same lovable dude that played Comet on Full House. And that's none other than Buddy the Golden Retriever, who was the star of the August 1997 Disney classic air bud just so you know how great this is of a franchise air bud had four sequels where he got to play various sports very athletic dog and this would also spawn the air buddy series and then that spawned the pup star series which in total would add eight more films to the air bud extended universe then it all leaving the franchise with 12 movies and the latest being pup star which uh, came out in February of this year. So some real longevity with this uh, flick right here. Jesus
3: fucking Christ. How the fuck are we supposed to go after that? That's pandering, man. You really expect (laughs) us to follow up? A fucking cancerous dying dog? (laughs) Jesus!
5: When are they going to do the reboot of Air Bud where it's just a dog that's like peddling drugs? <laughs> like he's flying a he's flying a plane and dropping weed in different countries and stuff.
3: Yeah, they did that. Air Bud. Yeah, he has to stab
0: somebody.
1: <laughs> it's got to be. You can just
0: bite him like a normal dog. He do claws some guy.
4: I love how this team has pandered to my Englishness by going for the full <laughs> month. Uh, that was tran- that was transparent, gentlemen. That was very Trans- transparent. Oh, yeah.
0: uh, once you look at the month overall, yeah,
4: that's it.
5: It's I pretty.
0: I mean, that's full of accolades.
4: I—I I, I have to uh, uh, strongly disagree. But anyway, let's go on to the next—the uh, next month. Let's go to the already.
3: Carlos, start us off, man.
1: All right. So we're going eighty-eight, August twelfth, early. August 88 <clears throat> we had a movie 13 million dollar budget made 6.4 million but don't let that throw you uh this movie was uh kind of going off a growing phenomenon at this point in time um basically it won lots of Rasby awards for good measure but it attained cult status and talking about mac and me oh bernie
5: mac yes fine film <laughs> exactly yeah. good old bernie but, mac was that the prequel to mr 3000 or was that uh just a separate thing altogether?
1: It's a Mac and Cheese exploitation. That was the <laughs> that was the prequel to Mr. Three Thousand and the Bernie Mac show. But yes, no, we had Ben Mac and me the uh, what you would call the rip off to E.T. as everyone called with starring Ronald McDonald and Coca-Cola uh in this, throughout this entire movie. Uh, like I said, it was nominated for four Golden Raspberry Awards. Worst director, worst new star, thanks to Ronald McDonald got called out. and then uh has zero percent on the uh Rotten Tomatoes. But like I said, <laughs> Has obtained cult status throughout the years through VHS, DVD, Selling high. and Blu-ray status. If you're not, if th- those who are not familiar with this, uh, Paul Rudd, every time that he goes on Conan O'Brien, has to show the one clip from Mac and Me. <laughs> yes. He has to sw- do the switcheroo thinking he's going to promote his movie, but then all of a sudden he gets the same scene from <laughs> Mac and Me. So he's keeping it relevant. Throughout these whole years, and I don't think he's ever gonna let it go. So he's keeping Mac and Me relevant. We got Blu-ray releases. You know, people are liking it if we got Blu-ray releases. And it's like the it's like the room of the '80s. It's so shitty, it's good. Kind of a. Kind what of I movie. always
3: loved about Mac and Me is the scene towards the end where the family of them are walking down the road, and you just see them in the shadows. It doesn't look like aliens. It just looks like three or four people walking with cowboy hats on.
1: <laughs> <Which is> disturbing, <laughs> disturbing to say the least.
3: An interesting point. Uh, My friend in Canada,
4: Peter Kaplowski, who um, runs Midnight Madness for the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, he has a Japanese release of Mac and Me on VHS from, like, ages ago, and it just kind of went viral uh, today, I think, or yesterday, because he found... A clip at the end of the Japanese version, which is not on the Blu-ray. It's not on any other American version of Makami, where the kid in the wheelchair at the end of the movie gets shot in the <laughs> chest by a cop. <laughs> what? Yes, like you know how because currently at the end of the movie, right? It it you think he's exploded or blown up in in the building, and um the Mac saves him, right, or something yeah. like that. At the end of at the end of the original ending that was on the Japanese uh, VHS um the kid is wheeling himself towards the family as they're walking off into a van or something and uh, a cop goes to like chase after him falls over the front of a car and as he falls over the front of the car his gun goes off and shoots a crippled <laughs> kid in the oh, if i had a nickel that's how they were gonna end the mcdonald's family
3: friendly movie 19 ronald
0: approved yeah see it would have got a five percent on
1: uh rotten tomatoes
3: and i'm sure that's why carlos picked mac and me because we saw that trending viral wanted to stay topical
1: topical relevant that's what i'm saying mac and me all day <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right so i'll go over to my pick and my pick is the movie that also came out august 12th, 1988 it is a classic, and really helped launch the careers and further them as legitimate actors of Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot Mulroney, and Casey Seismanenko. Of course, I'm talking about 1988's *Young Guns*.
0: Wait, how did you start that whole thing off? Did it blossom their careers? Because <laughs> <laughs> four of those guys haven't been in
3: anything since that movie. No, it legitimized their careers. A lot oh, of those, a oh, lot of those actors. Oh. <laughs> weren't seen as like serious movie actors until Young Guns, and then after that movie they got more legitimate roles instead of doing silly comedy or teen movies.
4: You know, like Mighty Ducks. Correct.
3: (laughs) Real serious shit. (laughs) Yeah. So the movie was uh, budgeted for $13 million and uh, took in way more than that, uh, grossing $45 million. That's actually a pretty decent turnaround at the box office in 1988 dollars. I had to go with Young Guns. I doubt there's anybody here who hasn't seen it. It's a classic. It's on TV all the time. And of course, we all know it spawned the sequel
0: which had a better soundtrack. Ah, uh, yes, Younger Guns,
1: right? Young-
3: Shut <laughs> down! <laughs> <laughs> and coming soon, even Younger Guns. It's going to be a teen drama.
1: Youngest uh, uh, yeah, Youngest guns. Toddler guns. <laughs> right.
3: And eventually it's just fucking jizz on the floor, and it's yeah, Youngest it's like, Guns. Yeah. Speedest <laughs> <Betis> Guns. <laughs> Spunk Guns. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's just a porno.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, John Cross.
4: Okay, well, we normally end with movies, but uh, as we've started with movies, let me just do my little bit of a movie rundown. Um, So there were, weirdly, there was kind of quite a few, I feel, to choose from uh, in August uh, 1997. Um, Whereas in, weirdly, in August 1988, not so many to choose from. Uh, Really, the only other options you could have had would be the Blob remake, uh, The Big Blue, The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, and married to the mob. That's about it in terms of like passable to really good movies that came out in August 1988. Whereas in August '97, unusually for the 80s versus the 90s, I actually think the 90s year is better. This year we've got Event Horizon came out. You've got Spawn came out. Copland. I can't believe Copland was not Love mentioned. That movie. Uh, the Full Monty, of course, which you guys mentioned, uh, Conspiracy Theory, which is one of my like guilty pleasure Mel Gibson, Richard Donner movies, Air Bud, as you mentioned, I mean, just a classic, uh, who can overlook Air Bud, <laughs> but I think some of the things you missed, you had Corey Feldman in Voodoo,
0: I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want to see that? It did have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Next Generation, which I did toy with a little bit. But, yeah,
1: you
3: had the Leave It to Beaver movie. <laughs> come
1: on. Yeah, but what? What were you guys thinking?
3: And for all of you playing along at home, all the fellow poopers, that's the second episode in a row where we've mentioned Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but I
4: think that's got something to do with my love of the beaver. Um, Ward? we had Dead Tides with Ruddy Piper yeah, and Tony Kitten in it. We, come on We did on come now.
0: across that. But you, we, we got to go for pop culture significance and things that sure. last. So we, that's why we went with the way we did. We weren't really trying to pander with full Monty. We just happened to have an English fucking movie that happened in August. <laughs>
4: Get off your high horse, John. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly enough, interestingly enough, those would not be the 90s picks that I personally would have picked. But it is interesting that uh, 97, August 97, a much stronger month overall. Uh, the 1988, because I feel like Young Guns, although I'm a big Brat Pack fan, and I'm I'm a big fan of that cast and that era, and I don't feel like Young Guns is actually as good as we all remember it being. Like, whenever I've tried to rewatch it, I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't really the kind of... <laughs> like, I always expect it to be like another tombstone, and it never is, no. you know? And yeah, so I have to give it to the 90s, uh, this go-round, and it's not just because of Rick Mancrush, it's just because <laughs> legitimately... Uh well, because he's always on the winning team, it seems. It's just inevitable, apparently. But I have to give it to the nineties because August overall is a much better month. And you're right, the the full Monty was something that came out of nowhere and did spawn a musical and, and a whole thing and a, a kind of a cult following. Although weirdly, there was never like sequels or nope. any of well, that's that good. talked about. That's
0: good. Leave it leave
3: yeah, it the no, way it completely. is. Completely. I'm a big leave fan of like either.
0: movies that have a small budget to take off.
3: Like Mac and me. Didn't have a sequel either. <laughs> no love for Mac. I hate to be this guy, and I- I'm gonna have to call it out here. I didn't get to choose my teammate. Man Crush chose my teammate for me. I think there's some collusion, Carlos. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> we bring oh. you bring Mac and me to the table in Mac- the first round. Mac and me's Mac and me's got the uh, it's got the cult status.
4: It has got the cult status, but it's got cult status for the wrong reasons.
5: It's got cult cooties.
4: It has. And I think that cult status, Air Bud versus Mac and Me, you know, the dog just completely acts out the alien. You know, out out acts the alien. Uh, The dog is just, he's better better at basketball
3: than the alien. He died doing this role. Yeah. I conceded the round as soon as I heard, oh, shit. Little kid died of cancer. And then I realized, no, no, not even a little kid. A fucking dog. Hey, that's <laughs> yeah, it. You win. Game over, man. Game over.
5: That dog belonged to Danny Tanner, Mark.
4: <laughs> I, I also have to say, Mark, that, that the uh, weakness of the 80s month overall did not stand you in good no. stead. Because I feel, like, I feel like with this round, I have to look at, yes, the things you guys picked, but also in general, what the runners up could have been. And with you guys, there's really not... Like, Young Guns and Makimi, like, what else is there... That comes out in that month. That could have been like decent runners up. Married to the Mob, great movie, but it hasn't stuck around. Like I know a few people who like it, but it hasn't stuck around. Everyone forgot about Betrayed, where FBI agent Deborah Winger falls in love with white supremacist Tom Berenger. Who doesn't love that movie? It's like The Black Klansman, but for white. It's like living in Quincy.
5: Oh god, (laughs) I'm kidding. It's not that bad. (laughs) Um,
4: But no, so I mean, so when I look at the month overall, but I also look at the pick and what would i rather sit down and watch would i rather sit down and watch young guns and makami or would i rather sit down and, and watch air bud and the full monty? be honest it's a, it's a <laughs> it's it's definitely tight because i would much rather sit down and watch copland more than any of them but uh uh air bud has to win it <sighs> wow <laughs> it's all about it's all about the basketball playing would dark, you rather I watch you.
5: the full monty replaced with air buds
4: yes <laughs> that would just be weird because the dogs could then go cock out <laughs> red rocket
0: <laughs> no nobody wants to look at dog kyle let's just move on before this gets weird
3: i'm gonna have to smoke a shit ton of air bud to get through this episode <laughs> all right you guys have control of the board man
0: crush it's over to you yeah bo where do you want to go i'll let you pick this one.
5: Oh, oh let's go with uh television you want to go with television We can go with television okay we'll go television uh, obviously, this was an estrogen field panel show that was the brainchild of none other than the infamous and luscious Barbara Walters. The View premiered on August 11, 1997, with four co-hosts Meredith Vieira as a uh, moderator, Star Jones, who was amazing in glow, uh, Debbie Matinopoulos, and Barbara Walters himself. And then they added Joy Behar, who was originally evidently kind of like the, I guess, fifth wheel. And then she eventually just became a...
4: You can say the Jew... <laughs>
5: we are free menorah Jones. Menorah Jones, yeah. Uh so this bastard has been on the air for twenty one years, albeit wow. with a different cast now, but that's uh that's a that's a pretty good run for a daytime talk show that's not Regis and Kelly, or Regis or who, it's not even Regis anymore.
3: Now it's uh Kelly and Ryan Seacrest, I believe. It's like oh, Jerry and God.
5: Garcia or something.
0: I'd watch that, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, like Bo just said, I got a show that's uh, 21 seasons, 287 episodes, and it's the second longest consecutive running show behind The Simpsons, scripted show. Who do we have to thank for this? If you think about it, none other than George Clooney. Perhaps it's indirect, but I'm talking about South Park, and that's Matt Stone and Trey Parker. They had this short called uh, Santa versus Jesus. And uh, as the story goes, people were spreading this short on VHS, and they were copying it, sending it to their friends. Well, George Clooney supposedly made over 100 copies of this short and sent it to all of his people all over Hollywood and got people excited for this. So thank you, George, for giving us this selection here. But uh, initially, Trey Parker had wrote a pilot for Fox that's got just scrapped. I can't remember the dude's name, but he left Fox, uh, some producer. He shopped the show to like a fledgling Comedy Central, and they picked up the pilot, which was Cartman Gets an Anal Probe, And they aired that on August 13th, 1997. And at first they expected this thing to get less than 200,000 views, ended up getting close to a million. And the rest is history. I mean, not only is this an iconic show, but this show made Comedy Central. And what it also did is South Park pioneered the wave of mature television because early on in 1997, around January, they came out with the, uh, the TVMA certification. As you would uh, guess, South Park was the very first show to use TVMA. Again, the rest is history because now every show after 9 o'clock, for the most part, if it's good, is TVMA. So that's our choices. The View and South Park.
3: And now here's Roy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to follow. I'll go first on this round. For this one, the 40th Annual Primetime Emmy Awards is it going to be my pick for TV. Normally we don't we wouldn't have got this one, but it was pushed back to August because of the 88 Olympics that were going to be starting in September. And what's interesting about this one is not just the awards, it's what happened that night. The winner for the big award for the Emmys Outstanding Comedy Series was a TV show that beat out Cheers, The Golden Girls, and Night Court even though it only had 6 episodes. And that was anybody the wonder years oh wow. the wonder years wins the emmy for outstanding comedy series and changes the way that we consume tv you know what we're doing here tonight we're a retro program this was the start of when people in american culture really started oh reminiscing. Wait, wait, wait
0: hold on hold on your selection is the Emmys. It is not. I just want to throw this out <laughs> to the judge here. His
3: selection is for the Emmys. It is not
0: for the Wonder
3: Years. Correct. My my selection is not the TV show, the Wonder Years. It is the award that they won at the Emmys for Outstanding Comedy Series. Wow. That beats wow. all the other major players that had been winning for years and years. This set the tempo for the new TV shows that debuted in the early 90s. So that's my pick, Wonder Years, taking home the Outstanding Comedy what,
0: Series.
2: Wait, you can't
0: do that. You can't, your show is the Emmy. Come on. My pick is no, no. okay. My pick would be is- like my pick being about fucking Cartman getting an anal probe. No, that's not how it goes. That's like Bo going over what they talked about on The View that day.
3: You, you just cannot do that all right whatever man but i'm sticking with it my pick is the emmy awards and at that night they gave out an award that changed television just happened to be a show called the wonder years i
4: mean i mean two two things about that a that's a that's a very wobbly wobbly, (laughs) tenuous uh technicality secondly i'm sorry happy days invented tv nostalgia
3: didn't it uh, oh, It also yeah. fucking killed it when he jumped the shark And then it was gone for decades
4: Well, true, but I, what I mean is The Wonder Years wasn't the first TV series to deal with The past in a kind of rosy,
3: nostalgic no, way No, I mean, they had done it before Even with, again, Leave it to Beaver It brought it back into our generation Shortly thereafter, you had all the Fox shows that were introduced That's where I was coming from But, you know, it's 1988 You, you gotta take what you gotta take and apparently, oh. I'm taking it in the rear on this one. <laughs>
4: also, also, a little a little movie called Back to the Future. I don't know, maybe?
3: Yeah, never heard of it. Taking it in the rear.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to pop. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did. All right. Fuck you and your 40th annual friend, Daniel.
1: We're well, following up on the technicality. We'll see if this one holds up. Uh, so this show... You know, thanks to the advent of this show. It's crucial to the spread of hip-hop all around the world. And for those who don't know, came out August 1988. Yo, MTV Raps debuted uh, on, on the only channel back in the day that we had music. And so anybody all over the world, MTV Europe, MTV Asia, Latin, Latin America, they all, you know, they all got to see the new rap videos coming out. And so this spread rap all over the world. This is pre-Spotify, of course, and so... It had a huge influence. Of course, they had all the new and hip uh, rap artists coming on. So I mean, they got to see them coming, coming to play live. They have come to do interviews, um, maybe just talk about like the culture in general. So it was, it was an all around show. It wasn't just focused on just the performance and showing videos. They kind of did everything hip hop in regards to the the whole culture. So it was, it was crazy influential. And it, I mean, it started in August and went through nineteen ninety five. So. Uh, about seven seasons worth, and they went through a few DJs, but good old Dre and- uh, Ed, Lover. Ed Lover. Ed Lover, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm going to drop something on you right here, Carlos. You're a
1: DJ.
3: I, I am?
0: All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to just do the song, how it sounds, and then you're going to do the lyrics, okay?
1: Oh, man. Okay. Drawing a blank. Oh, my
0: it's the fucking Ed Lover dance. How do you not know?
1: Oh, shit. Maybe, maybe it was the uh, the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was close. It was fucking close.
3: The horn section just doesn't come through over the mic. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry.
1: It was it was a little distorted on this side. But yes. i no Michael Winslow. But like you said, the Ed Lover dance, all kinds of, you know, branded things that came off of this show that, you know, were pop culture icons. The show, the 20th anniversary not too long ago as well. What was
3: nice about Yo! MTV Raps is... It introduced rap music to white America. I mean, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of kids in rural Kansas who knew who the hell all these budding hip hop stars were coming out of New York City or LA. There was no, there was. This was pre-internet and cable was just coming into households. Mm -hmm. So really, the only way if you lived in the Midwest like Bo that you heard about rap music was because of Yo MTV Raps. Uh, We had cassette tapes,
4: but I I think what we're missing here is that there is no TV show that has yet successfully. Uh, introduced country and Western music to a black audience. <laughs> That's
1: really what That's we're your second for. billion dollar idea. I podcast. try every weekend. So yeah, MTV Yo MTV Wraps. That's that's mine. Good pick. That's a good one. You know
5: they're coming out with a Yo MTV Low Carb Wraps too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can also get Yo MTV Body Wraps uh, on one of your local no. Facebook
3: swap shops. Wow. Dr. Dre should have invested in that way back in the day. <laughs> Definitely. He probably could have used some of those low carb wraps.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, look. Some something's gone on here. Something's gone on here. I feel, First of all, I want to know who picked the months and who picked the years. Where does it come from? I want to know.
0: Uh, actually, this month, since we swapped teams, Mark picked the 80s and Bo picked the 90s. Yep. And we picked at random. Yep.
4: Wow. Because somehow, somehow, even though I'm all about the, you know, I'm all about the 80s, Mark. You know, I'm all about the 80s, <laughs> I was so prepared. At the beginning of the show, I was like... Yeah, you said the 80s always win. Well, not this time, apparently. (laughs) Well, see, that's
3: what... Just my luck, man. I totally fucked us because he's like, all right, pick an 80s year. I'm like, what haven't we done? 88. He's like, boom, August of 88. It's the only month in the 80s we were at a stall. Nothing happened August of 88. And we always see this in the 90s. You go a month ahead or a month back in 88. It's, huge, gold, huge. it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine, exactly. Yeah, But August of 88 was in a waiting that period. That happens
0: all the time, though. Oh, it Every does. Every
3: time you get a month, the
0: month... Bef- Usually it's the month before, I've noticed. Yeah. It always has some fucking crazy shit. that you're like, "Ah, oh, I missed it by a
2: day. Yep.
0: <laughs> but I, I, I know the
4: feeling. So I have to be completely clear that it is utterly, utterly breaking my heart right now that I have to keep siding with the 90s. Wow. But I don't know how you ignore um, The View and South Park and uh, as as kind of cultural forces, whether you agree with it or like it or not. Uh, look, Yo! MTV raps, I totally get it. Um, the rap movement, the hip-hop movement, it was a huge movement. It was an important movement. It needed its TV presence. And if you had even something that was half as close as that, again, for the second choice for the 80s, <laughs> Uh, then that would have that would have de- the eighties definitely would have held it, but I can't like. There's no way anyone listening to this anywhere, if I had gone, sure, yo, MTV Raps, beats, the View and South Park would have been like, what? No, you, <laughs> you had to cancel rap- your
0: own podcast, if
4: right? You did that. Maybe rap and hip hop music like counteract that as a as a cultural movement. Maybe look, I am completely behind the the like all female. Uh, a host thing, and it it definitely has that going for it. But I find its uh, sensibilities extraordinarily pandering, naive, and vague. Um, <laughs> and the same the same thing with South Park. As as great as it is, and as very cultural as it is, it's not something I'm watching all the time. I, I I'm kind of fifty percent find it very annoying, and fifty percent find it funny.
3: But he always watches the primetime Emmys.
4: I always. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't watch that either. Um, and I. But. So I just have to say, on cultural significance alone, the 90s have to take it again this round, guys. But I'm so sorry, because I'm a, I'm a, I am am love the 80s. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says 1980 on it. I have a fucking rocket shooting off into space being like, yo, the 80s. With a chicken sandwich on the tip. You're fucking killing me. So, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. 90s have to win this round, too.
3: Oh, man. All right, you guys are still in control of the board. All right, what ringer are you going to put us through next? Your call, Rick. Let's go, let's go, news. Okay. Uh, you want me to start? Yeah, you go. All
0: right, I'll start. So, on August 7th, 1997, at the Mac World Expo in Boston, the newly rehired acting Apple CEO, Steve Jobs, who had been away from Apple for 12 years after parting in 1985, suggested that Apple needed help from other companies and they had to end their destructive relationships because none of that was helping any of the technology companies in the industry. And that's when he announced a pact between Apple and Microsoft, which was received with a chorus of boos from the audience. Apple actually needed this deal really bad at the time. The company was going in the shitter, and that's why they brought jobs back after 12 years. Prior to this, the companies were basically huge foes of one another for more than a decade. I'm sure everybody knows someone who owns an Apple that hates Microsoft and vice versa. So the announcement of this deal which sent $150 million of Apple non-voting stock to Microsoft. It shocked fans on both sides. This would be like the Democrats taking $150 million from Republicans. It was that strange. There are a couple of different parts of this deal. I'm not going to bore you with it. The biggest facet of the whole deal was Microsoft Office. For the longest time, they had a shit version of Microsoft Office on the Apple platform, and they gave them Microsoft Office. And the other thing. They gave uh, Microsoft Internet Explorer as the default browser on the new Mac OS, which is like the New York Jets having playbooks with the fucking New England Patriots logo on it. It was
3: that bad. They don't have that already? Um, oh, wait, no, that's the Patriots that has the Jets playbooks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they have everybody's fucking playbook. Um, but the way it worked kind of in this situation, they were massive allies in the early 80s. Uh, Most of Microsoft's revenue actually came from creating software for Mac. And then all of a sudden, Microsoft started making a a GUI-based OS, a graphical user interface OS, and Jobs accused Bill Gates of stealing their idea. And Bill Gates had the best fucking quote for this whole thing. He said, well, Steve, I think there's more than one way to look at it. I think it's more like we both had this rich neighbor named Xerox And we broke into its house to steal the TV and we found out that you had already stolen it because that's what happened. They stole the the, uh, graphical user interface from Xerox. They never fucking had it to begin with. You know, that's kind of where this whole thing goes. But aside from all the cool shit that Microsoft gave them here, without this deal, it's possible you would not be using an iPhone today because Apple was in such dire straits in 1997 that they needed this deal.
4: But is it GIF or GIF? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll see. Asking the
0: important it's, questions. It's it is GIF. It, I mean it sounds GIF, but if you've been around long enough, you call it GIF. Yeah. That's what moms like you choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not, it's not a sexy story, but if you look at the cultural significance of that, without this deal, seriously, you might not have had what we have today with Apple. You know, Apple revolutionized things. Steve Jobs came back. A month later after this happened, they officially appointed him the CEO because at this point he was only like a stand-in. You might not have had any of this shit without this uh, this handout from Microsoft. With that, I'll, uh, I'll uh, go to And sales book.
4: of turtlenecks everywhere might have <laughs> skyrocketed,
5: <laughs> So the other end of the spectrum... One of the most infamous and possibly uh, devastating news happenings to come out of August of 1997. August 31st, a uh, car crash that took place in Paris, France, in a tunnel uh, featuring. Could you say featuring in a car crash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm
0: not sure if that's the right word. Well, uh,
5: in that car crash. With was newcomer, of course, <laughs> Introducing. Co starring. So, of course, uh, Diana, Princess of Wales who died as a result of the injuries sustained in this car crash, her boyfriend, Dodi Fayed, which is my favorite Star Wars character, uh, (laughs) and the driver of the Mercedes vehicle, Henry Paul, all pronounced dead at the scene. A fourth passenger in the car was the bodyguard who was seriously injured but survived. Uh, There was this whole kind of fiasco about who to blame for the car. Uh... People were saying the paparazzi were following them, but it turns out the crash was caused by the driver, Henry Paul, who lost control of the Mercedes at high speed while he was intoxicated and under the effects of prescription drugs. Uh, So he was evidently a country singer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) His inebriation may have made been worse by antidepressants and traces of uh, an antipsychotic on his body. The investigation concluded that the photographers were not near the vehicle when it crashed, After hearing evidence of the British inquest in 2008, a jury returned to a verdict of unlawful killing by Paul and the paparazzi pursuing the car. So that stuff, yes, it's important, but obviously the wave uh, that was left in the wake of this whole accident was very significant. Yeah. Just a huge outpouring of grief, not only in the UK, but also here in America as well. Um, You know, you're talking the funeral alone that they televised was watched by an estimated two and a half billion people.
0: I remember seeing- we were up in uh, Siena College visiting one of my buddies, and we watched that in the morning while we were hung over. I yeah. still remember to this day wow. yeah,
5: I vividly remember watching that, but obviously public interest in her has has remained high. She still gets press coverage like to this day like i, I I'm pretty sure recently I saw her on the cover of a magazine at, at the the grocery store jugs <laughs> 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 yeah, it was the uh, the new issue of wet Hooters. it was a memorial yeah. retrospective.
0: <laughs> corpse fucker monthly <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> crack open a cold one and uh, john i just i want to point out that's two months in a row that we had a princess diana story there's no coincidence there we're not pandering to the judge it just happened to happen like that
4: this is uh, this, shall i save my true story about diana for when i'm doing the judging or do you want to hear it now Sa-
0: save it so these guys can uh let us know what their top news is all right, I'll jump and go first here.
1: Go right ahead. So my news is uh, baseball news. Back in August ninth, nineteen eighty-eight, Wrigley Field adding lights so they can start having some game uh, night games, and this is pretty huge because the Cubs were on a holdout against night games for decades. They weren't installing them. They they just felt that the culture there they didn't need them, and uh, even though every other stadium at this point. Was catching up with technology and was putting lights on. It was changing the game. They were able to, you know, have more games at night. There was actually a lot of uh, concern for home field advantage because at one point, you know, when the Cubs were supposed to be in the I think '84 World Series, they had a contingent plan that if they were going to be in the World Series, they had to switch the games to where their games would be on the weekends and it wouldn't. They would be like afternoon games as opposed to prime time for the other teams. So it's like home field, home, home field and schedule advantages came into play. And so finally, after decades of holding out, they finally put the lights out. Uh, They started being able to, like, you know, balance out the night games and and the uh, day games. And really, like, once baseball as a whole adopted it, it really did help things out, especially with fans. Because fans are tired of sitting out for hours and hours in, in the sun. So if you can have more night games, you get more fans, more money. It works out for everybody. So the, the, the lights coming on at Wrigley's was a huge thing. Just not only for that stadium, but just to set the tone for the rest of the baseball culture to follow. Yeah,
3: 1988 was a great year in baseball oh no
0: not for not, <laughs> not you're a mess
1: you
3: <laughs> and who did the chicago cubs play on their very first game with the light carlos
1: mets i don't know
3: it was know. the mets that they beat
5: <laughs> <laughs> well that also inspired one of journey's greatest songs too which
3: is of course when the lights go on at wrigley no first of all he he was from san francisco and he's a giants fan so it wouldn't have been about the Cubs. You, uh,
5: you don't know that so.
3: read the liner notes Oh, okay. Fucking hey. Who, t- who turned on
4: the lights? Who was the first one to, like, did they get Bill Murray in to flick the switch
3: or something? It was Vetter. John
4: Cusack showed up? No. Went, it was like, actually
3: the same person that let the dogs out, I heard.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> But he could let them out at night now.
3: The, the fucking Baja right. men ruined the entire <laughs> ceremony? Yes, they did. They're also the same one that sold the drugs to Princess Di's driver. So. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> All right. I also went oh, with bro. the Wide World of Sports. And on August 9th, 1988, something happened in the wide world of sports (laughs) that changed hockey forever. And that was Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player ever, was traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles Kings. Sounds like, you know, that's not such a big deal. Great players get traded all the time. This was really one of the first time in sports where there was a player that really transcended hockey. And he was being traded to the team in Los Angeles, one of the largest United States sports markets. And really, the long-term repercussions of this trade are still being felt today because it reintroduced hockey and introduced hockey to a lot of the American audiences. Uh, hockey pre- predominantly larger in Canada, but in the South, in Los Angeles, it now became a mainstream sport, getting more primetime television coverage. So, Wayne Gretzky getting traded to the Los Angeles Kings. Can I
0: just interject real quick? Uh, hockey's on NBC Sports, not really the biggest marketable channel out there.
2: Currently,
3: at uh, this year,
0: maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said it's it grew to like great, like up here. I'm just just throwing that out there.
3: You, were, d- you, know. you find me an American who doesn't know who Wayne Gretzky is, and if you ask for who Wayne Gretzky played for. Most people will say the Los Angeles Kings.
0: I was going to say the Lakers. but
3: All-time scoring leader of all time in hockey. So
0: You mean that guy that got caught in that betting ring with his wife? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that's what I had, Wayne Gretzky being traded to the Los Angeles Kings. And what's really cool about this trade is ever since this was made in all sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, any trade that comes up, they always hold it to this standard you know, like, if a trade seems too outlandish or too crazy, they say, well, if Wayne Gretzky could have got traded, because really what they traded him for was uh, a package of a few other players and cash and a bunch of draft picks. It really wasn't that much. Since it was such a crazy trade, now any other trades that come up, they hold it to the same standard. Well, is it was it as bad as the Gretzky trade? No? All right, we can do it.
0: Don't they usually uh, put it to the standard of the Ricky Williams new orleans saints trade where they the great
3: trade robbery
0: (laughs) see yeah see i'm just throwing it out there just throwing it out all right john cross (laughs)
4: all right
0: well before he sleeps on sports
4: no you see what you have to understand about me uh is that i'm a big ice hockey fan
2: oh Uh, so
4: the wayne gretzky uh, uh trade and story and all the rest of it is a is a good story to throw my way um uh, it's just uh, I'm one of the few people uh, who would much rather have seen him continue play for the Oilers um, than than go to uh, uh, L.A. However, uh, so that was a good story uh, to come up with, um, as was the uh, Wrigley Fields adding lights. Uh,
5: what I, what why
3: I, do I feel like a child being patted on the head? Oh, I that was like a good story. <laughs> <from me. laughs>
5: that was a good story. Here's your participation trophy,
4: Mark. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, what I liked about it was, I think Carlos, at at one point you were like, they got up with the new technology, and I'm like, lights?
1: (laughs) Well, those old men who, uh, you know, back from the old ages, there was new technology. Weren't there, like,
4: stadiums, like, back in the early 1900s that had, like, fire lights and gas lights and shit? Like, hasn't... Like, anyway...
3: (laughs) They had torches <laughs> around the field. No, you know
0: what I
4: mean though. They had like they had some form of light. Yeah, like, they used to just ride a, a... light
3: a ring of fire around the outfield. Yeah.
4: Ring of fire yeah,
3: exactly. They
4: had torches. That um, make baseball
3: a hell of a lot more interesting when you think about it.
4: Indeed. Well, exactly. Uh, if they had to play with flaming bats until uh, <laughs> oh. it burnt down to a cinder, gas soaked balls. Twig.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I had a nickel.
4: <laughs> yeah, I tell, you, I tell you what, if the balls were doused in uh, gasoline, set on fire and thrown at the batsman, then uh, yeah, you would have uh, a lot more, a lot more home runs, I think. And a lot more dead, uh, <laughs> dead attendees, dead. Uh, uh, what are the words? I'm losing all my words tonight. Anyway, the Wayne Gretzky trade is monumental for sports fans. It is. However. <laughs> and, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Right. If I had if I had my uh, uh wish, I would give half a point uh to you guys for the Gretzky thing and half a point to um Freeman or Jones for the Princess Diana's death. Cuz I think Wayne's Gre- Wayne Gretzky is w- going to LA Far more important than whatever Steve Jobs did. Um,
0: <laughs> to, to me wait, person, wait, wait, wait! What kind of phone do you use?
4: Yeah, well, I, I understand. I know. What oh, wait, hold on! on. Well, what kind <laughs> of phone? Do you use? Hang on, man crush it, the, the, the thing is, is this: we can't claim that every time like Apple figured something out, it led to all this other stuff. Like, if it was the formation of Apple. <laughs> that's one thing and bringing steve jobs back in is fine but it's not like trading gretzky to fucking los angeles i tell you <laughs> all right. um no i'm joking um
3: <laughs> no no it's okay you don't have to joke john
4: so i would i would like to give like one point to one uh, one team or one point to the other team in all honesty um but i think that the the death of diana has to trump it all and the only reason i say that is because um so obviously i was born and raised in england right I'm I'm 17 years old when Diana uh, dies. It weirdly enough, I think it was you, Rick, who said about uh, being hungover, finding out the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the night of Diana's death, we had had this huge party for my uh, stepdad, who had um, finally retired from the military to the point where he couldn't get called up anymore. Uh, he had been a lieutenant colonel for some years, and uh, you have, like, a, a period of time where you can still be kind of, like, called into the... Right, right, same forever. as ours, yeah. Right, yeah. Um And it was his final thing, and he had a big party and stuff like that. And all the family was there, and all our friends were there, and we all got drunk, and we stayed up all night and smoked weed, and it was fantastic. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> so, allegedly.
4: It was a great night. No, not allegedly. We, fucking, we, we got fucking we, high got we drank a bunch of Jack Daniels. It was awesome. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the following morning at around like eight, nine AM, whenever the news, cause it happened at about like two, three AM, I think our time, uh, in the UK, but I, no one was like talking about it until about, uh, uh eight, nine AM. Um, my mom runs into the bedroom where I was staying at my stepdad's place and goes, John, John, wake up. Diana's dead. And my honest response was I, I sat there for two seconds. And I went, I don't know anyone called Diana. And I went back to sleep. Like I ran the Rolodex in my head. So I grew up in the UK. Obviously I was well aware of the Royal family. I was well aware of uh, obviously Diana and it was much publicized that she'd gone off with Dodie and left Charles and it was a big scandal and blah, 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 blah. But honestly, which 17 year old gives a fuck? Like who cares about any of it? Um, what was a huge surprise to me, like legitimate surprise, like not like I knew the tabloids would have a field day, but I had no idea like watching um, what well they call the the road outside Buck Palace, the mall. Right. Um, And uh, in the, in the, in the road up to Buck Palace the next day, filling up with millions of millions of millions of people weeping and crying and like the fake and i was watching this on tv once i finally woke up around midday and was eating my bacon sandwich i was watching i was watching it just being like who are all these people who give a shit like it was a legitimate surprise to me like i i thought i thought it would be like a day's worth of news you know like it is when a famous person dies, like a famous yeah. actor dies or whatever everyone's like oh isn't it sad that so and so's dead and then the next day we all just kind of go back <laughs> to our lives and it is what it is
0: right that's up there I- with michael jackson
4: Right. Well, I would say it's even more than, well, I, I mean, I don't know because I, I wasn't in a Yeah, American. you're right.
0: Because that's, that's mm. Michael Jackson's kind of back and forth. It had two sides of the coin with that one. But,
4: yeah. Right. And also, uh, but it's very similar in the way that Scandal like marred his last years, in the way mm. that Scandal had kind of marred her last years. And in fact, marred her death based on the, the uh, drink and drugs and the driver. But it's it's it absolutely blew my mind that anyone gave that much of a shit at all and then you know and then fucking elton john's like um i could write a new song <laughs> for my dearly departed friend but instead what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a song that was about marilyn monroe
3: that people kind of liked oh, but also that skipped. was fucking horrible that pissed me off that he did that and then
4: he rewrote right but the 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 last thing i'll say on the diana thing just because it's i think it's interesting for people so as i say i was at a party and we were out late, and we were in the streets of the, the town uh, Brighton, which is a kind of a coastal city in, in England, um, and uh, there's a lot in the same way that there are in a lot of like, big cities in, in the US. There was like an, a, a few all-night, uh, what we call news agents, but you guys call like bodegas, right? And they put out the um, newspaper stacks in the morning. And like I say, Diana um, had been a massive tabloid scandal for for years at this point since the divorce from Charles. And the headline, you know, you have the first edition and then they do like a reprint later in the day. The first edition headline that we all saw, like, outside the bodega that night that I only kind of put together later once I was uh, uh, awake and realized what had happened was, you know, Diana Kavortz with Dodie on a yacht and here's pictures of her in a bikini and here's this fucking filthy Egyptian with his hands all over her and fuck. Like, it was all that kind of, like, semi-racist English tabloid bollocks that, like, I don't understand why people read it. And the moment she died, the very same papers pulled all their papers off the thing, reprinted, and it was all queen of our hearts and fucking princess of our dreams and blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it was a, it was definitely a, a, a learning thing at that age. You know, 90, 17, you're very impressionable. You're already rebelling against fucking anything that comes at you. But seeing just the, 180 that most media doesn't give a shit about anything but like whatever's going to uh sell their filthy despicable rags um and uh they did a total 180 on diana and it that made me sick elton john like rewriting the song kind of made me a bit sick and um just the outpouring of grief just kind of surprised me in total. And I think that I can pinpoint my disillusionment in humanity in the world to that very moment. So there we go. That's right.
2: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs>
3: See, and once again, this is a theme that comes up every time we do this episode is if you don't understand your history, you will be doomed to repeat it because we do the same shit today.
2: Yeah, we oh, do.
0: When he was talking about that, I know it's completely Two completely different things before i say anything but did it not sound like 9-11
3: kind of yeah yeah it, that's what i'm talking about
0: everything changed everyone was la da and now we hate each other again. Yep. <laughs>
3: yeah yeah you know yep exactly so we, it's,
0: anyhow anyhow john go ahead uh make so, sorry
4: yeah i've rambled on long enough about the subject obviously uh the 90s when um just because of the enormity of that news news that shouldn't have been as enormous as it was, but it, it was apparently. Um, and, uh, and obviously that other Steve jobs, Apple thing and the rise in uh,
2: <laughs> the sale of,
4: uh, turtlenecks. Um, and I can't, I am honestly, that we're three rounds in, I cannot believe the nineties are winning. I just can't believe it guys.
0: What happened? All right, Bo. I picked it really banger. doesn't matter. We're we're in the two point round, so you can go wherever you want. If you want, All right. if you Want to just go with music? Uh,
5: actually, let's let's go Hot Products. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go Hot Products. Uh, I actually this was part of a uh, I guess the lead up to a wedding that I was in earlier this summer, and it was a huge part of my childhood growing up. Uh, everybody except my poor ass had a Nintendo 64, <laughs> which was you know when it came out for, I, I don't know about you guys, but when this came out, this was like huge for me, the Nintendo 64. And then you have this whole line of games that just kind of to this day have a level of playability that's untouched. And among those one that was released August 25th, 1997, a first person shooter video game based on the 1995 film golden eye. And that is golden eye double Oh seven on the N64. So you've got your single player campaign, and you've got, of course, the beloved split screen multiplayer mode. You can do up to four players. You do all these death matches. So essentially this kind of and I mean, there were games like this beforehand, but this is, uh, you know, probably one of the most influential catalysts for things that we have today, like uh, the Call of Duty multiplayer uh, experience. But actually, the, the game, when it came out, had really low expectations. Uh, they had a, a pretty unsuccessful showing. At uh, E3 in 1997, uh, but it turned out to be a critical and commercial success. In 1998, it sold approximately 2.1 million units uh, or copies or whatever, uh, surpassed The Legend of Zelda, The Ocarina of Time, uh, which was released in November of 98. Overall, it sold more than 8 million games worldwide, making it the third best-selling Nintendo 64 game behind Super Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64. Uh, 250 million dollars worldwide. It's oftenly, or uh, it's frequently cited as one of the greatest video games of all time. In 2007, GamePro placed it ninth in the 52 most important video games of all time, calling it the console killer app of the 90s, uh, and the best game ever for a licensed film.
0: Let me ask you this, Bo. We talked about this the other day. When was the last time you played uh, GoldenEye? Uh, I believe it was May. It's <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah. Game that came out in 1997.
3: People still rave about it to this day. You know, I hate to play devil's advocate, but it's kind of hard to fucking argue with Goldeneye, especially with this crew. I think we all grew up playing that.
0: <laughs> the only bad part, and at the time it wasn't a bad part because this is all we had. We had the four player split yeah. screen. Nowadays, I think everyone's so used to it. I think you could look at other people's screens, but back then. You really couldn't. You had to fucking look at your own. You yeah, had to concentrate. Corner.
3: Yeah. Yep. Did any of you uh, ever break out the cardboard and the duct tape to make a divider? No. Oh yeah. I did. Say, I did <laughs> say that to Bo. It's so
0: classic. Yeah. Like people you, used to do that. You shit. could do
3: it with two people, but if you could do it with four and you were able to divide your twenty-seven inch into four Man. equal squares, you were fucking talented.
0: You had OCD, for sure. (laughs) You had a lot of time on your
3: hands.
4: 27-inch? We used to play this at college on like a... I don't even know what fucking inch it was. It was that small. It was an old (laughs) CRT television. Probably the monitor I'm looking at you guys on. Uh, on my uh, <laughs> laptop is probably bigger than it, and we used to play it on there, and the gameplay was
3: so fucking good, and they've never bettered Until it. Until you were doing multiplayer with somebody with a goddamn fucking golden gun. <laughs> <laughs> also, Game did over. any of you guys
4: ever use the cheats or the 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 um, stuff where you could like make the bobblehead versions yeah. and you could have like, ah, oh, man, I fucking loved that. That was so much fun. Big bobbly head like fucking again. Um, it was great until,
3: until someone had the fucking stuff. golden gun, and you got this big ass head, <laughs> huge target. <laughs> fuck that!
4: Oh, it was so good. We played bubblehead and unlimited ammo. It was just fucking brilliant.
0: All right, so uh, we'll start out the round with Goldeneye, released August ninety seven, uh, August twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven. Scotts Valley, California. Company was born by the hands of Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph. And as the story goes, Amazon tried to buy them in 1999 for $12 million, and a couple of years later, they were in debt for $20 million, and they tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster for $50 million, but Blockbuster laughed them off. Well, luckily for them, they are now worth $142 billion, and Blockbuster just closed its last two stores in the United States. And of course... The company that I'm talking about is none other than Netflix.
3: Who? Yes. Haven't heard of
2: them.
0: Netflix. Netflix began their (laughs) business. Uh funny. Have you guys heard how this whole thing transpired with Netflix?
3: No. Like I heard that there was, again, there was a competition with Blockbuster. They were all trying to start the same service, but what what happened? That
0: happened that happened afterwards. Okay. So first off, you you need to know Reed Hastings. Okay. This guy. In nineteen ninety one, he started a company called Pure Software. All right. Five years later, he sold that in nineteen ninety-six to Rational Software for seven hundred million dollars. So this dude is loaded to the teeth in nineteen ninety-seven. Lo and behold, early nineteen ninety-seven, he forgets to return a copy of Apollo thirteen that he rented. And he's charged <laughs> with a forty-dollar late fee. Tom Hanks ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Because of that $40 late fee, he brainstormed the entire ride home because apparently he was embarrassed to tell his wife about this. I don't know why. He was rich as fuck. But he came up with this idea. He put up $2.5 million of his own dollars and that's it. He made this shit. And I mean, they, they started out just doing rentals where you would rent through the mail and you can keep that single rental for as long as you wanted and then you can get something else. And then as time grew on, they started doing subscription basis where you got, you know, three or four a month and, you know, and you did all this stuff. Well, in 2007, they, well, actually, it was 2004 where they announced that they were going to do streaming online service, but it took them three years to put it all together. So by 2007, they put it all together and they put their first thousand movies online. And that's all she wrote, folks. They, I mean, from there.
3: Are they still around they, today?
0: yeah exactly <laughs> they are responsible they make for it? the plethora of streaming services you have now yeah. hulu voodoo amazon prime every fucking movie channel hbo go uh showtime stars all cinema anything that's streaming now it all began with them and i will say this they weren't the first ones to do a streaming service it did start initially i think it was hong kong telecom tried it with uh ITV in 1998, they put up like a billion dollars, but they were a little before the time, never made it. But Netflix, this is fucking it. And interesting. I know, uh, you know, John, you're into uh, physical media. Like I am, uh, I figure i throw this out there. Netflix still owns DVD.com, which is their DVD rental business, which is their original, you know, you sign up for a subscription base you can keep it as long as you want, send it back. In 2018, they still have 3 million subscribers on DVD.com. Now, they have 125 million online for the streaming service, but they still generated $56 million of profit in 20 in the first quarter of 2018 just in physical sales. So this is a massive fucking company. But here's the cool thing for the people that like physical media that a lot of people might not realize. They have... A selection of over a hundred thousand dvds which easily outshadows the like five thousand streaming titles that they have available on netflix
3: yeah and i still can't so, find anything to watch
0: exactly so <laughs> if you want to find something they have a massive massive fucking library um, and just to add to that, like physical media is never going to go to just because of the fact that Hollywood's just never going to give away the shit for free. Yeah. And as you can see with Netflix now with Disney pulling stuff away, cause they're going to do, guess what? Their own fucking streaming service because they want to be a competitor of theirs. Cause why should we give them our shit? You could just go and get this physical shit from Netflix. So you could do both sides of it, but it's a huge fucking company. And that all started in August of 1997.
4: But also, look, I mean, look at the fact that it's taken Disney how long. In fact, Disney even announced they were going to be doing a streaming service, what, about six months ago? Yeah. Um, And it still hasn't come out. It's still going to be like next year, whatever. Even a company as powerful as Disney, with all the money and time and people it it could possibly want, even they haven't been able to figure it out yet. Um, and, And I imagine when their streaming service comes out, it won't have figured it out completely
3: yeah well now that they own properties like the x-men and the simpsons and family guy that's just gonna be huge for them they fucking own everything let's just be sure yeah you know
4: totally i mean which is why netflix have been making their own stuff for the last like few years that's why they're doing that since 2012 we don't want to
3: badmouth the uh the financial backers of infirmary media or anything so (laughs) (laughs) but
4: i wanted to ask rick when you said 125 million online subscribers is that just in the u.s or is that worldwide
0: that's worldwide. So Uh-oh. they uh, they branched out over the years. They began in the US and then they extended to the UK. Now they're in Europe, South America. They're fucking everywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, but that's, what that's blows everywhere. my
4: mind about that number is actually how small it is. Like, yeah. we, And the only reason I say that is we all go around with this. I think we do. Our generation goes around with this idea that, yeah, everyone has fucking Netflix. But actually, but then, and then we see like fucking, I don't know, some bullshit ABC show is still running, and you're like, who the fuck watches that? And then you suddenly (laughs) realize there's 125 million, or 175 million, sorry, people in the U.S. alone that don't have Netflix, or probably more, but
0: you don't realize this stuff until you look into it, because it was the same thing. I think it was last episode when we talked about um, the cable companies uh, coming up in the early 80s, and those numbers were minuscule. Yeah, And I think you know, as children, we're like, oh, everybody's got fucking cable. No, they don't. And everybody doesn't have Netflix. Yeah. So, but that's still a huge, ridiculous number compared to a lot of things.
4: Yeah. And, what's, and what's fascinating over here is that in the UK, uh, about, I think it was about three or four years ago, they went, right, that's it. We're stopping all analog uh, transmissions. And if you want to receive TV anymore, you have to get a... a, a a set-top box right um right. and you could get free view through there which got you like the bbc and various other things but you still had to pay for and buy and connect up a box right um whereas in the u.s there's that law that essentially says they can never stop analog transition of the, the the four main uh, public uh uh, uh networks
2: Right. have right, right.
4: to still broadcast analog and you go really people are still watching shit on analog well <laughs> apparently probably millions that we aren't aware of you know so right. it's kind of uh, right there's
0: now. plenty of cable cutters now that are still doing oh absolutely it, but they need you need your local stations you know?
3: i love how he brings up the set top box and how important that <laughs> was when if you go back a few dueling decades episodes he chastised us for bringing up the set-top box and how he important did. that was for TV. to be. No, no,
4: I chastised Rick for being yeah. boring about it and confusing me. That's what I chastised him for. I'm very nuanced.
3: It couldn't have been too boring because you go on talking about the set-top box. So, thanks for <laughs> that. <laughs>
0: All right, so those are our, uh, our picks there. We got Goldeneye, 007, and uh, the company,
3: Netflix. All right. To the 80s. All right, it's time for us to lose. Carlos, you started us off.
1: <laughs> all right, on the downfall. So, <laughs> 19, August 1988, we got a Sega release called Altered Beasts. Uh, for a beat-em-up arcade game. It's actually, it actually was really popular in uh, all the arcades. For those who don't remember, we used to go actually physically to places to play video games. And this was actually one of the one of the more popular ones. Uh, it was uh, in order to save his daughter, Zeus transforms into a, uh, a, a centurion and and into and wait, beast to use power ups. I guess so. I hadn't played the game in a long time, but I remember. Playing this at the local putt putt, going down to the uh, movie theater arcade, playing. Um, I guess it's it's still used in pop culture. It's been popping up all over. I guess uh, back in the day, the Parker Lewis can't lose (laughs) season one. They used it a bunch of times for uh, references. There's been a few bands who've named their albums after as Altered Beast, uh, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, actually uh, released a promo Flash game after Altered Benjamin based on Altered Beast uh, back in 2009. And then a Sacramento, Sacramento death metal band changed their names from Gary <laughs> Busey to Altered Beast. You never changed your name from Gary Busey. I know. That was a, that was a questionable <laughs> fucking
0: move, nuts. but Fucking nuts. Never fucking... <laughs>
3: Never the
4: abuse That's just...
3: Oh, and never bring up Breaking Benjamin in a retro battle. What the fuck, Carlos? It was questionable, you know, at least. out of
0: all the stuff he said, Breaking Benjamin, fucking light bulbs are going off in my head. That's where
3: the red flags start going, you know? The red lights start warning. All right. Oh, man. Hey, all right, man, we pick- got 88, we got to fucking reach for this stuff. All right. So for mine, we're going to head over to Ryanbrook, New York to a little company called IBM who invented something that I think we all kind of use today. I'll spare you all the technical details, but what it comes down to is IBM introduces artificial intelligence software for the very first time in August of 1988. Basically, what it boils down to is they introduced a line of computer systems that for people that weren't savvy with computers in a business setting, they could simply just ask it questions now, and the computer would help them solve business problems. They used it for shipping companies. It was also There was three or four different variations of it, uh, one of which they used for shipping companies. The uh, software actually came out as part of the current licenses for all IBM computers. But if you wanted to continue using the service and purchasing it, um, you had to buy the additional licenses, which were $42,000 to $98,000 a piece. So artificial intelligence introduced for the very first time in August of 1988, by IBM.
1: Created Siri.
3: Pretty much.
1: And Sky- <laughs> and, and Skynet at the same time? And Skynet <laughs> at the
3: same time. So oh, Watson. I mean, granted, it, it, it's not artificial intelligence like what we see today. We're not talking, you know, the little creepy kid from AI or anything. But this is where it started. So that's what I have. Artificial intelligence, IBM, John Cross. Tell us how bad we got creamed. <laughs> <laughs> However...
2: <laughs> However, <laughs> However, I like big butts. <laughs> you.
4: i like a heavy set woman. Um, <laughs> look, guys, it was all over when the words "golden" and "I" were put together. <laughs> Sorry, you you have to understand something about me. I'm not a, I'm not a big gamer. I'm a huge movie fan. I love my music, and you know, uh, I, I like other stuff, hockey, and and things like that. But I'm wait, not a big gamer.
3: But wait. Did GoldenEye use artificial intelligence? No. No? (laughs) Damn.
1: Did Breaking Benjamin reference GoldenEye? Shut up
3: with the goddamn Breaking Benjamin, Carlos. You're not helping. Collusion. Man Crush picked my fucking partner for me. And we got Mac and me and Breaking Benjamin. (laughs) You picked the year.
4: Is Breaking Benjamin like a precursor, like a prequel to Breaking Bad? No. Is that what it is? It's way no. worse. No. <laughs> way worse. No, choking no. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, GoldenEye. So I'm not a big gamer, but there are two games um, that I will take to my grave adoring uh, uh, with, with all my heart and all my being. And one is Sonic the Hedgehog and one is uh, the original Sonic the Hedgehog and one is GoldenEye with a third one being uh the original duck hunt just because <laughs> it was one of the first console games i ever saw um and uh duck hunt and i was absolutely like transfixed i was like wow what do you mean you can shoot ducks on a tv that was like fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> i
5: still um, ask myself that same question to this day it's wild
3: yeah yeah w- went through <laughs> six fucking tvs before he realized you have to use a light gun <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, And what's funny is, it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter how many fucking decades have passed, it doesn't matter what, we have never, ever, ever been able to replicate the thrill and joy. I don't care how much artificial intelligence, you like, artificial intelligence still to this day, we use it to be like... Siri, can you play fucking Bon Jovi or something? You know what I mean? Like, we don't, that's all we use it for. Or can you get me a Remind me, I or have whatever? to jerk
0: off in an hour. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Remind
4: me. Everybody play who's okay. listening
3: is now listening to Bon Jovi and has a reminder <laughs> to jerk off. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> right?
4: Or we use it to be like, you know, Alexa, play porn. No, not, not corn, the bad 90s band, porn. You know, so like, that's the problem. Uh, playing with, with artificial. Stars. Intelligence. Well
3: or it, <laughs> It's like when <laughs> we all went one- to the uh Rhode Island Comic Con and there was an Alexa device in the house, Mancrest. Do you remember what we kept asking it to play? Uh
2: no. What's no. up? Battletoads.
3: The person who owned the uh the house that we were using had their Alexa device set up. And we found out because somebody tried to use it to play music that he was using it on like his cell phone. At his house, because it's all connected to the same device. It's all connected <laughs> to the same device. So he kept changing this whatever song he was playing to playing the band Anal Cunt.
0: Oh, that was me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he would put on like fucking Rod Stewart. <laughs> he would
0: be like Alexa, play Anal Cunt. <laughs> but play. Uh, I kicked you down the stairs because you're pregnant. <laughs>
4: uh, but uh, let me uh, round of round of uh, hands. Uh, who here actually uses the talking device on their phone? Like every mm-hmm. time Siri pops on my phone, I just want to be able to say Siri, fuck off, and it turn off. Yeah, like I'm sat there phone. trying to get it off. Yeah, it, who uses it?
3: I have a Google Home, and I use that a lot. So
0: I, I oh. use my I use my Alexa. I don't, I don't use mine at all.
4: Yeah, I never use because because. It's so much easier to go, oh, I want to play Spotify. Oh, look, there's Spotify. And I press a button and it comes up. I don't need to say, like, say Spotify. And then, like, series, like, what, what, what did you say? I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. Here's some commands I can do. Stick it in my pooper, you know, whatever. Like, there's no... <laughs> it, it's it's awful. Artificial intelligence the worst. But GoldenEye and, and Sonic and Pac-Man uh, and Duck Hunt are oh, fucking amazing. And GoldenEye, so many uh, hours... At university, playing that with my housemates. Such a great time. Such an awesome thing. I've completely forgotten what other people's picks were. Oh, Netflix Begins. Uh, so every, like we discussed, like everyone has Netflix now, but they don't. Only about half the people in America have it. But
0: Yeah,
4: uh, only it's 125 still, million. It's only 125 million, which surprised me that that's low. It's a huge number, but it surprised me it's that low. Uh, Altered Beasts, I'm sorry. It was it was an okay game. <laughs> I played Altered Beasts, but it was no I. And uh, IBM doing something. Um, the, uh... <laughs> hey, the artificial without
3: artificial intelligence, the listeners to the show couldn't say, Siri, play poop culture podcast. Or, right. hey, Alexa, play poop culture.
4: True. No, uh, they would have to just press a button and it play automatically. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Well>. <laughs> All right. So do, do I hear a win? For the nineties?
4: Yeah. You hear another win for the fucking nineties.
0: <laughs> another no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now kidding, hold yes. on. We we are up five to zero. We've never had a shutout, even for the eighties. The eighties have never shut out. It is five to zero. We have to play the last round. Obviously, we only have one thing left. It's music. And Bo, do we want to defer to them?
3: Yeah, let's let's defer.
0: Let's fucking defer. You guys go.
3: All right. I guess I'll kick off music, and I'll keep it sweet and short, because in August of 1988, an album was released that I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with, and why you're familiar with it, it's because they celebrated the 30th anniversary of this album a couple of years early with a movie that came out about it. Of course, I'm talking about the release of N.W.A., Straight Outta Compton, one of the greatest albums of all time, and heralded as the greatest hip-hop album or rap album ever recorded. And I'm sure everybody's seen the movie that came out about it. So N.W.A. straight out of Compton. Sweet, simple, to the point. Carlos, what do you got?
1: August 25th, 1988. Fourth studio album, Metallica and Justice for All. The first awesome uh, music video won. Got them a Grammy Award for the first time they added the um, metal category. uh, best, Best metal performance. So they won the Grammy for that. So Metallica and Justice for All.
3: Now, see if we would have started with music, maybe it would have changed the tide a little bit more in our favor. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. what do you I guys would... got?
4: I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave you all in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, I will. I'm first off. I got a Bo. I'll just start out this one. I, okay. I have to preface this whole thing by saying I felt dirty researching <laughs> this all day. Uh, there were two picks that we could chose from and I got saddled with this one and uh, I feel like I know their entire fucking history, which is just disgusting. Um, uh, but it's really not when you, you look at the whole thing. If you, if you really open your mind to this, it's kind of mind blowing. Uh, and that's the Backstreet Boys released their self-titled U S debut album on August 12th, 1997. Like them or not, this is one of the most successful debut albums of all time. 14 times platinum, selling 14 million copies. If you had a little sister or a girlfriend, because I'm sure if you're a guy, you probably didn't listen to it. Maybe you did. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you heard one of the six singles that were on the album. Uh, We've got it going on. Quit playing games with my heart. As long as you love me. Uh, Backstreet's back. Or everybody. Uh, I'll never break your heart and all I have to give and uh, aside from the amount of albums that is sold and this is why it's after doing the research I was just like fuck okay I gotta really accept this this album was really responsible for the shift in music even in pop culture I mean, you had boy bands had basically been dead since New Kids on the Block and uh, Fat Bastard or fucking uh, <laughs> Lou Pearlman Decided to uh, <laughs> o d only. I wasn't sure if he release... meant him or Rick
3: Rubin at first. I... <laughs> doesn't,
0: doesn't matter. Well, he decided to only release this band's first two albums in Europe because he was like, "Fuck it, this is dead over here." And they blew up in Europe, so they took this album, they re-released the second album they released in Europe, and that was Backstreet, Backstreet Boys, and they released it and it fucking exploded, and really the rest is history with this one because. These guys went on to sell a fucking gazillion albums. Everybody knows who they are. And I mean, everybody. I, I love some Metallica shit and NWA, but everybody fucking knows who Backstreet Boys are. Like it or not, every fucking person in the world knows who they are. And dare I say, like, without the Backstreet Boys blowing up, there would be no Sync because that basically you had Sync, fucking 98 Degrees, O-Town, and all these other fucking boy bands. But regardless, if you're a fan or not of this music, without this phenomenon, you might not have had fucking Justin Timberlake. Good. So it's it's. <laughs> I, I actually like him as an actor and stuff. I think he's uh, he's a good guy.
3: Yeah, but see, NWA had a movie written about them that was released in the theaters. Metallica had a movie that was in the theaters. Where's the Backstreet Boys movie? It's coming. It's
0: it's coming. They're dude. <laughs> they're they're fucking sold out in <laughs> Vegas every single night on this fucking. <sighs> Uh, stay that they have there, but yeah, that that's my pick. I'll. Uh, it's enough talk about the Backstreet Boys. So yeah, one lifestyle. one
4: question though, Rick, uh, you say you like Justin Timberlake as an actor. Could he though also not be just replaced by a box of cereal in a suit in like any of the movies? <laughs> that no, I I th-
0: I think he has a lot of range to him. I, I totally think, agree. Uh,
3: I love his comedy. I love his acting. His he, he his new music guy. is okay. Um, but yeah. Way
0: more. Talented. What's that? What you know? What he sold me? Uh, what's something? Dog, fucking. I forget the name of oh, it. Oh,
4: the movie where he fucked the dog. Was there a movie no, where he no, fucked? Oh, dog
0: the bounty hunter. They like kidnap a dog, kid and shit. fucked the bounty hunter. <laughs> Airbud. <laughs> Airbud. 10. I hate you guys. <laughs> fuck off,
4: Timberlake in my asshole.
0: I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's it's actually a role that has you would never see Justin Timberlake playing, and he fucking pulls it off. I just, I, just I, can't I mean, okay, uh, no no, uh,
4: no criticizing of other people's opinions or tastes, not at all. I just feel like you could replace him with, like, any other generic white actor. Like, I don't feel, what I mean by that is, sure, he could be great in some things, but um, it, there are so many kind of, like, actors of his age and his look that could, like, equally do any of those things. That's how I feel about it. I guess.
0: The movie was Alpha Dog. If you haven't seen Alpha Dog... John, uh, okay. i don't think you have I'm looking at you you're not even looking at me i'm pretty sure that you've never seen alpha dog go see it because i think you'll like it okay
4: okay i won't <laughs> i won't i won't do that but okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right bo just go
5: all right last one for music uh august 26th it's been certified six times platinum one of the top 200 selling albums of all time in the u.s it's spent over 150 weeks on the catalog albums chart And over 110 weeks on the Billboard 200, uh, it was a very desperate plea looking back to keep grunge on top of the musical scene. And that is My Own Prison from Creed. (laughs)
0: Uh, Everyone laughs at both of these picks, but they were both fucking monumental
1: at the time. I mean, Creed was hitting it back then for sure
3: creed and breaking Benjamin get this guy hey, the fuck <laughs> out of here give me a real partner for Christ's sake
1: wait, wait, wait a minute wait a minute I didn't say I liked him I said they were on the
5: <laughs> Mark you're just creating your own prison
1: yeah I know I think, <laughs> I I know think, I think I my am. partner hated me from the beginning I think there's collusion I think he <laughs> hated me before I was even on this team
3: oh yeah see this is how it happened I say it's collusion because I have a thing and then you turn it around and say no you're the one who colluded yeah I see how this works <laughs>
4: See, I was assuming that it would at least be something like Be Here Now by Oasis or something. That was, that was no, I mean, again, not a band I like at all, but uh, it was, I think, one of the far- fastest selling records in the UK. I don't know what it did over here, but the fastest selling record in the UK for like 30 years or something. It was it's like, huge.
0: It, it's disgusting when you look at some of these, but you have to say them yeah. because there's that big that you have to fucking say it. Like when I was looking at, I was watching videos and reading about the Backstreet Boys. I was literally making myself nauseous. <laughs> <just laughs> want to go? I just wanted to go to sleep or something. I was like, I'm just done. Just stop. But you have to do it for this. Yeah. You
4: could have gone with the best of Yanni. I mean, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, third pick. Yeah. The th- or or, <laughs> or you could have gone for. Um, Uh, What have we got here? Well, you went for Creed. All right. You could have gone for uh, Saliva by Saliva. Never. (laughs) Uh, You could have gone for Sweet 75 by Sweet 75. Uh, You could have gone for Tip by Finger 11. Mm. And you could have gone Mm. for uh, Fun Crusher Plus by Company Flow.
0: Nah. Uh, Pop culture-wise, we couldn't touch any of that. Hell no.
4: (laughs) Although... Uh, You could have equally gone for some uh, like British invasion stuff like Be Here Now with Oasis. I just find, I think probably because Creed did not um, I mean, obviously early Creed did, but like Creed by this point uh, did not like (laughs) with
0: arms wide open.
4: <laughs> uh, and what could the 80s have gone? What did you guys go for in 80? You went for N.W.A. out of Compton. That's an obvious pick.
1: Metallica. Uh, which makes
4: sense. And then Metallica's fourth album, you
1: said, that won a, won a Grammy? Yeah, the uh, the one. The one uh, music video, I guess. Uh, the first one, but the pretty epic one, too. From the song one. Yeah. The song one, yes. Quotations one. Right. One! <laughs> Oh, you could have
4: gone out of this world by europe you could have gone leprosy by death one of my favorite albums no, <laughs> the uh, only way is one
2: you one could of my have gone uh, like a
4: groove machine by the wonder stuff um you could have gone jane's addiction nothing oh. shocking. oh um, shit my favorite album of all time, and I'm having it played at my wedding. It's Two Nuns and a Pack Mule" by Rape Man, <laughs> uh, which came out in August 1988. Uh,
5: oh my gosh!
4: You've also got uh, what else came out? Yanni again? Wait a minute, Yanni? <laughs> he was Yanny
5: knocking out bangers, years, man.
4: Yanni
0: or Yanni? I it was Yanni.
4: I say Yanni. Yanni lives he, on.
0: He plays the uh, skin flute. That guy.
4: Right. Yeah. Uh, So Yanni is both in August 88 and uh, August 97 So give it up for Fuck
0: yeah, longevity
4: Um, You could have gone uh, Revolutions, Jean-Michel Jarre If you like some uh, French repetitive uh, Instrumental music That all sounds exactly the same So it Uh, sounds like modern pop Danzig's self-titled album Comes out uh, in August Of uh, 1988 That one was Um, up there And then sunshine on Leith by the proclaimers. Cause I would walk 500 miles.
2: (laughs) I would walk 500
4: miles. (laughs) And come on, it's Scottish genius. They talk a lot of gibberish. And would you have a? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, gonna be the man who's to you. And you're like, I don't have no fucking idea what he's saying, but it's genius and I love it. Pair of buddy holly looking fucks. So uh, <laughs> I have got to give it to someone, haven't I?
2: Mm.
5: Hold on, let me bend over.
3: <laughs> oh, I, I think we've bent over plenty in this episode. <laughs> yep. Well, Mark's got see, fissures again.
4: If I'm gonna, <laughs> I have a difficult decision because I either have to go cool or I have to go popular. And I'm going to go cool because fuck the Backstreet Boys and their yeah! stupid white We're faces. on the board. I'm going to go NWA out of Compton oh. and Metallica winning a Grammy in 1988 because I'm sorry... The Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, its Rick Astley, it all started a slippery slope down to fucking pituary retarded white guys (laughs) jumping around in baggy suits singing wet dribbly songs to fucking prepubescent women. It's the worst fucking music that's ever been created outside of clog dancing Uh, and that shit should have been shut down from the day one. Someone should have gone up to the Backstreet Boys and injected them all with formaldehyde. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> put a bag over the head and set fire to them. Uh, enough of that. I'm going to go with NWA uh, and uh, Metallica. I'm sorry, guys, but Cool wins out over mindless popularity. We well, see, yeah, I kind
0: of, I kind of thought that it was going to go that. way
3: Sorry, direction. Rick, I've crushed.
0: No goose
4: There
3: still never been a shutout on this show. So at least we avoided that. you know. I
4: think my tenure as judge of this show is fast running out. I think Rick and Mark are going to get together <laughs> when I'm not around and be like, this
0: guy again? Fuck this guy. <laughs> no, you know, I'm fine with it. I, I totally didn't think that we were going to get a shutout on that one. And like I said, that was really difficult for me. So I figured for a judge, it would be really difficult to pick something that they didn't like. Right. That you had to look at from an open mindset and be like, "Man, that is a fucking huge album." And it took me an hour of reading into shit where it, it opened my mind to like, "Wow, they fucking did that. That's insane."
4: No, i and I'm 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 very uh, I I'm very aware of that. And I, to be honest, there isn't one album um, that was mentioned that I personally would own. Um, I'm aware of Out of Compton, and I'm aware of the Metallica albums. My uh, various people in my life have Played them around me and stuff like that, but they're not. And no, no, none of the albums mentioned are ones that are like, but I didn't go with personal taste. I kind of looked at it. And
0: NWA, with, like once he dropped that, I think from a cultural standpoint, it's above everything else. Like you look at album sales and you look at cultural standpoint, and I think that one's just, it's, yeah. it's that's why right, I didn't even
3: bother running through all the numbers or anything with that. Cause we all just watched the movie. Everybody knows the history right. and the significance of this album. So,
4: right. Yeah, no, completely. And look, there's there's equal argument to say that there's cultural significance and popularity to the Backstreet Boys, um, and I totally get it. And and you know, there, there's probably a place where, like you say, Rick, if I'd come
0: in with uh, an open mind towards it, it would have been a. Um, but, but you know but, what's awesome though, John, what? with this, and it's something that you you will never fucking see ever again. You're never going to have another conversation where you're comparing the Backstreet Boys (laughs) to NWA, except on Dueling Decades. But in this game, somebody's got to win. And in this fucking episode, it was the 90s. And you know what? There's no participation trophies in this game because like Vince Lombardi said, if winning isn't everything, why do you keep
3: score? And the score is five to two.
4: We win. Yes. It yes. <laughs> yeah. ain't
3: first or last. Alright, so continue playing the game online. Play along at home. Did John Cross get it right? Did the nineties deserve this win? Or maybe the eighties? No, no. Fuck it. We sucked. Anyway. Yeah,
4: and, and also it doesn't matter what other people think. Uh I got it right. I am the judge. <laughs> you guys you guys dug this grave and now you're all lying in it. Uh, I'm sorry. You, you asked me to keep coming back. I keep coming back. I love back.
3: it. Yeah. You I do a great job. It. Thanks a lot. Let's give a round of applause to John Cross. <laughs> yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
4: Stop it now. No, no. Louder. Louder. Keep it going.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let me just throw this out there. Uh, before you close out, we have the new Facebook Dueling Decades, Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades. And this shit's blowing up. It's only been around for a month. It's already over 500 likes. Shit's fucking popping up every day. What we'll do with this episode, we have... This is the final verdict. John has given us the final verdict of this. The 90s are fucking champions for this one. But if you don't agree with it, we'll put the poll on that Facebook page. Go ahead and just whatever you want to do. If you think it's 80s, you think it's 90s, you make the call. Am
4: am I allowed to vitriolically argue with anyone who's against me on that? Yes, (laughs) absolutely.
0: We encourage it. (laughs) Absolutely.
4: But continue. And somebody I, will. I may use strong language, you might have noticed. Oh, well, I don't
0: care.
3: <laughs> but continue the conversation online. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Dueling Decades here on Poop Culture. We'll see you next time, fellow poopers. Peace, love, light, and joy. Have a great week, everyone.
2: Infirmary Media.